This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. We are live. Uh, Naz uh, Marchese, my co-host, will be joining us shortly in the middle of the hour. But uh, got a fantastic show lined up for you today. The Euro 2020 is now in the uh, elimination stage. Huge uh, game for the uh, Azzurri fans yesterday. Uh and uh, that uh, the Azuri fans got uh, had to sweat it out a bit, but Italy's through to the next round. Some great games coming up today, chief of which is Belgium versus Portugal, a battle of the heavyweights. Belgium ranked the number one team in the world. Portugal, the defending defending champions, Euro champions. Looking forward to that one. Netherlands also up. Uh, great game today, the Netherlands against the uh, Czechs. Netherlands is uh, seem to be. Re- uh, re- restoring their glory from the past, and uh, we've got some great, great guests for you today. We're going to get right into it. Of course, a good friend of the Nazanwali Sports Hour, Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer, Kadman and Marcantonio, and we're pleased to welcome to the Nazanwali Sports Hour uh, one of Canada's greatest soccer players of all time, former coach of the Canadian National Soccer and Olympic teams, a member of the Order of British, uh, British Columbia, member of the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame, a member of the U.S. National Soccer Hall of Fame, member of our last World Cup team in 1986, and voted one of the top 30 players of the century by CONCACAF. Talking about Bob Leonarduzzi. Bob, Carmina, you guys on the line, how are you this morning? Carmina first. Good, good morning, uh, Walter. I'm very well, and I'm pleased to have Bobby on the other line. We woke him up early there today. <laughs> yeah, Bob, uh, Bob Leonard Duzzi, It's uh, I don't know how you've managed to avoid the Nazanwali Sports Hour for seven years. Uh, I, I've, uh, I've always exhibited a passion for soccer, or as Kaidman always, he always scolds me and always tells me I've got to pronounce it as football. So I, uh, I interchange you. You've avoided us for seven years, or I've made the mistake, or we've made the mistake of not calling you. And uh, we're we're certainly thrilled that we've uh, we've uh, corrected our mistake. Thanks for joining us, Bob, and thanks. You're out in Vancouver. Thanks so much for joining and getting up so early for us. It's my pleasure, uh, and believe me, it's not a question of avoiding. Had you asked earlier, I, I know, and uh, I would have been ready to go. But uh, it's uh, it's a. Uh, with Euro on right now, it feels like um, it's provided a bit of a, a reawakening for for football fans, and uh, I think it's been a, a great tournament thus far, and uh, the best is yet to come. It, it certainly is. Gentlemen, uh, we're all, uh, based on our backgrounds, uh, uh, kind of me and myself, uh, and obviously, Leonard Duzzi is, uh, is uh, I'm sure you're here. 
Your heritage is from uh, back uh, back in the, from the boot over over in Italy, Bob. If I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, my my research tells me correctly. Your your family's from a, a city up in the north called Udine. Is that correct? Yes, that is true. Uh, Furlong, uh, yeah. very proud of that. Um, I actually speak. I don't speak a lot of Italian. Uh, I can understand it, but. Uh, uh, I, Fortunately for me, I, I um, grew up with the uh, with the dialect, the, yep. the Friuli dialect, and um, unfortunately for others outside of uh, that region of Italy, and not many other people understand what I'm talking about. So uh, I, I was back there recently um, to visit family, and uh, by the time I left, after about five or six days, I was fluent in Furlong, so uh, at least I knew it was it was there. I just needed to unlock it. Anyway, it's a pleasure for me, Bob. You're you're actually talking to a fellow Polandon, so uh, ah, you, you've go. got an I. You've got an I at the end of your name. I've got an N. So, uh, anyways, let's uh, let's uh, let's get right into it. Italy, Austria. Um, Italy uh, came through the uh, the qualification round uh, and were considered the favorites. Uh, are now considered with France um, the favorites overall in the whole tournament. They had a struggle yesterday with uh, with Austria, and 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 if video review didn't exist, um, we may not be we may not be that happy this morning. Uh, uh, Austria scored a goal that was called back. It was very very close, um, and then Italy uh, in the in the overtime uh, got their legs and uh, got a couple of goals. Bob, uh, first to you and then to you, Katamina. Uh, analyze the game for us. Um, Italy going into the game was considered, had, had, you know, three years ago, we weren't, uh, we weren't too happy. The team has turned itself around. First of all, your thoughts, your analysis of yesterday's game. Well, and what you suggested is the case that um, the Italians were overwhelming favorites, and that by virtue of of the, the three victories in the group stage, um, that puts you in a position to play on paper. Um, you know what is supposed to be one of the weaker sides because of the the seedings. It didn't work out that way yesterday, and I, I thought early on in the match that um, it looked a lot like the, the first game of the group stage against Turkey where they had a lot of possession, weren't really breaking the Austrians down, and the Austrians were quite content early on to, to not concede that early goal and, and allow their, their confidence to grow. And that happened. And uh, it's interesting uh, what happened in the, in the Austrian changing room at halftime, uh, at least from a distance. I don't know exactly, but I actually thought the Austrians, one of the things that, that uh, that surprised me was that they really left uh, the the left flank uh, that the Italians were attacking, and in particular Spinazzola. He seemed to have a lot of room, and and I don't think you have to be a real tactician to to know that you you, you really didn't want to allow the left side in Insegna as well that that uh, amount of space, and they were they were having some joy there. It seemed to, to solve that at the half, and in the second half, it, it almost looked like a complete reversal, which was shocking. It looked like the Austrians were confident and starting to knock the ball around and feeling, you got the feeling that they 
they thought, okay, you know, we're not the massive underdog here, and let's just keep playing. And then your reference to the, the VAR goal, and I'm, I am a fan of VAR. I know there's there's a lot of uh, purists that don't like VAR, but I'm a fan of it. It, it there are times where it, it it's, uh, leaves you shaking your head, but in this case, it was great for for fans of of, uh, of Italy. Uh, kind minute. Uh, sorry, yep. sorry, Bob. Go ahead. And then, no, fin- then finish the, your thoughts, the overtime. Please. Uh, you know that it, it looked like it could go either way, and fortunately, you know, great goal by by Chiesa. And, I mean, you look at his three touches: that the ball comes into him, it bounces high, he softens the the uh, the, the ball with his uh, a nice touch. Second touch to avoid the Australian Australian uh, uh, defender, and then a fantastic finish. Carmen, over to you. <laughs> yeah, Bob, I think your analysis is, uh, you know, right on. Um, I, I felt that uh, Italy in the first half was pretty comfortable with possession, not as much as the other games, because uh, I think the big difference was uh, that Austria didn't uh, allow Italy to play even in the first half. They were pressurizing. There's a lot of men on midfield and very difficult to penetrate. Uh, there was some success on on the flank with the Spinazzola and Insigne in the first half. Something that I think the coach, who by the way Franco Foda, uh, as the name sounds, uh, he's also from. Uh, he was born in Germany, but his father, uh, I was reading, is also an Italian immigrant, and his mom is German. So, but he was German born, but uh, also got some Italian blood in him, like like all of us have. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure he was rooting for Italy. I'm not saying that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he made the correction. He approached the game really smartly because uh, let's not forget, Bobby. As you know, these Austrians, a lot of them, young and a bit older, they all play in the, in the Bundesliga, and and I mm-hmm. thought I thought it was a, a mini Germany that was playing there against Italy, and you know. Uh, the Germans are tough, they are, and they always make it a game, doesn't matter what. And Austria just did what Germany does all the time, uh, only that they don't have the same quality players. But these were very good players, I thought, and and uh, thanks to VAR that, uh, you know, we went on, we got the big scare. Italy got the big scare yesterday, and I, I think Mancini won this game at the end because of... Uh, the the you know the bench he went right away to the bench and he put fresh legs yeah. and it just happened that the, the 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 boys that came in Pessina Chiesa and Bellotti uh, they they made the difference at the end and in the overtime with the, the two goals and the Bellotti assisted uh, on on the second one and I think it was Pinazzola that played a beautiful ball to Chiesa uh, on the flank and on the right side. And, and Chiesa did what you said. You know, he made two beautiful touches. You know, the first touch to control it with almost with his face. And then the second one was an amazing finish. So he's definitely uh, a, a good solution for Mancini because he's got the speed. He's, he's, he's got the enthusiasm. Uh, Chiesa brings another dimension. And Berardi didn't have his best game yesterday. So I thought uh, Mancini... And the VAR was the key for the win yesterday. Uh, on, on that note, uh, Bob, you've uh, you've been coach of national of uh, Canadian men's national soccer team, Canadian men's Olympic team. Um, Mancini, um, you know the the previous coach, I think his name was Ventura, was 
incredibly criticized and properly appropriately, but uh, you know, from a coach's perspective, you, you may see it differently. Uh, Mancini has certainly done wonders uh, with this team. They're playing uh, a, a, a brand of soccer uh, that Italian soccer fans have, I wouldn't say rarely seen, but it, it's not it's not the soccer that we're sort of used to, but it's it's a modern brand of the game. Mancini's adjustments yesterday. Uh, when you when you when you make two change when you make changes in the game, and the two guys you bring in score, man, that makes you look like a genius, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, and and sometimes it uh, it it makes the difference, and and there's other times where uh, it, it's it's hardly noticed. But in this case, as Carmen said, all of the subs that came on impacted the the. The final outcome, and it, it's fresh legs. And at the international level, when you're bringing players uh, off the bench, and, and when you look at the pedigree of of the players that uh, were inserted into the match, it in most cases they're 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 often as good as the players that are on the pitch. They just haven't been able to break the starting eleven. So, uh, the Mancini deserves a lot of credit for. For the subs that he made, and uh, just understanding, I thought yeah, he had a calm about him, um, and I, I loved his reaction when the first goal went in. You know, the uh, he was clearly delighted and and probably feeling relieved that they they managed to break the Austrians down. But um, I think he he deserves the most credit, and, uh, and tactically, you know, got it right. And when you talk about the style of play of the Italians, you know, I, I think that what happens in our sport is, uh, is is teams tend to have a label attached. And the, the Catanaccio seems to be something that when Italian teams defend well, it's yeah they're good at that, but you know they're, they're not they just aren't uh, adventuresome enough. And as a result of that, I think it's easy to to label the team. But right now, from the Turkey game on. Uh, in, in the Euros, uh, Euro 21s, I, I just think that they've shown a, a flair, and, and to your point, that, that they quite often are, are criticized for not doing, and good for them. And um, and and now you're in the in the knockout stage, so you don't have the benefit of three games, and if you have a bad one, you can recover from it. And yesterday was a scare, and I think it was a probably a, a positive, as crazy as that sounds, simply because moving forward. They'll, they'll know, okay, you, you can't underestimate any opponent and on a given day and in, in, in a, a single elimination, you can't afford any slip-ups. And they, they got away with the VAR one yesterday, and, and hopefully that'll be uh, a great experience for the, the, the upcoming games, plural. We're talking to Bob Leonarduzzi and Kahneman and Marcantonio, two Canadian Soccer Hall of Famers. Uh, gentlemen, uh, I'll turn it over to you first, Bob, then back to you, Kahneman. Uh, <laughs> there are other teams in this tournament besides Italy, although uh, we, uh, we tend to focus on, on the Azzurri, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some of the other great soccer teams at the tournament. France, Spain seems to be rejuvenated with their last game. I'd mentioned the Netherlands. England and Germany are headed towards uh, a, a huge match, uh, two heavyweights, and another battle of the heavyweights today, Belgium and Portugal at uh, 3 o'clock this afternoon. Portugal with the, with the great 
Cristiano Ronaldo in Belgium, ranked number one in the world by FIFA. That should be a titanic struggle. And, of course, it seems like Denmark has been adopted uh, by fans worldwide as, as an underdog favorite. Uh, Bob, you're a keen observer. Um, your, your, uh, your thoughts on uh, the Euro so far and uh, how you see this progressing? Well, as I said off the top, I think it's been a fantastic Euros and so much needed with you know, all of us being uh, locked in by COVID for the last 15 months. And for me, the, the beauty of, of seeing fans in the stands, and in particular, the, they didn't get through, but they sure, um, they sure caused a lot of anxiety for three very good countries, France, um, Germany, and Portugal. But Hungary... I just thought their first game when they had 60,000 people in the bit, I had goosebumps. I'm watching it, seeing the fans so emotional, seeing how well that the team did to, to actually give Portugal a good run. And the scoreline flattered Portugal, the, the 3-0 line. And then, you know, they, they take the, the last game, they, they draw against France, they go to get to play against, um, uh, against Spain in the last match. They're 2-1 up, they're on the verge of going through. To the next round and and uh, Germany get a late goal. So I just think there are so many great stories and and uh, in a, in general just a just a real good tournament and exactly what all of us football lovers needed. In terms of of the who's going to win, anyone can win. You you just did a a, a summary of of the the games that are coming up and there are no uh, there are no gimmies. It, it's it's going to be a question of teams needing to do what Italy did yesterday, which is is understand that in, in a one-game format, anything can happen. And, and I look at Denmark, and I look at you know, 1992 when they actually won the Euros, and they were actually not – didn't qualify. They got in by virtue of uh, a country being um, – uh, banished from the, the, the Euros, and I think it was Yugoslavia at the time, I'm not 100% sure. So they come in, they come in uh, with, with nothing to, no, no pressure, and they go on and win the Euros. To me, and the, the health scare that, uh, that Ericsson suffered in their first, first game, Christian Ericsson, I think that just that bonded the team, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if, and they showed yesterday how obviously how uh, how in unison they all are. I think if if uh, you know, if, if they're if they continue to do what they they're doing, they scored eight goals in their last two games, they look good for it. But uh, I know that, and as you said, I think if you're a, an unbiased supporter and 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 you're you're watching Euros, they have to be your favorites and. But, like I said, I, I'm not sure if, if anyone could say with, with certainty right now that any one of the, the remaining teams are, are locks to win the, the, uh, the Euros. Uh, before I turn it over to you, Carmine, I don't know, uh, Bob, uh, Carmine, we've got to take a short break. Can you, can you stay with us for a few minutes after yeah. the break? Sure, sure. Uh, okay, so uh, we've got Bob Leonard Duzzi, and we've got Carmine and Marco Antonio. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised we all have things we should cut back on. For me half-brother Rayul, that's ordering inflatable toys. For others, it's carbs. So Pizzaville made the extra thin crust pizza. You get the same authentic Italian taste as our regular pizza, but with two-thirds less carbs. Because the last thing Rayul wants 
is an inflatable waste. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He's only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're thrilled to have with us today Canadian Soccer Hall of Famers Bob Lenarduzzi and Carmine Marcantonio. Uh, gentlemen, just before we went to break, uh, Bob, you had sort of given us an analysis of what we might expect for the rest of the Euro tournament. Carmine, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, yeah, well, like both of you have said, I mean, this could be anybody's uh, tournament uh, because now you got the heavyweights. Italy got a big scale yesterday. And I think uh, now they got nothing to lose because they, in the quarters, they're going to have either Belgium, now, like you said, see the number one in, in the world, uh, or Portugal defending champions. So, uh, you know, they can even lose that game. Uh, hopefully, as an Italian, uh, I, I hope they're going to go all the way, but it's going to be difficult from uh, now on. And, and then... Even if they win that one game, in the same is they could find, uh, you know, France uh, on, the, on 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 their way. Uh, uh, obviously, France. We know that France uh, is is one of the top, if not the top team, I think on paper. But uh, you know, it's going to be difficult. And on the other side, on the other side, let's not forget we got the heavyweight of England, Germany. And and but Holland, they look very good, like you said, Walter. Uh, Holland looks very strong this year, and and then you got the Cinderella, Dan, Denmark, and we, you know, don't let's not forget Spain and Croatia. Uh, Sweden hasn't got a goal against, uh, you know, they could be a, a, a dark horse. So, and one game, like Bobby Lenarduzzi said, one game situation, anything can happen. Uh, Italy yesterday, I was reading something on the Italian paper this morning, uh, and Mancini said 
right now things should be easy for us. And I, I believe that for Italy, the, the game was yesterday. The, the, you know, because they got the scare. They, you know, VAR, if it wasn't for VAR, as we mentioned, and I believe, like probably Narduzzi, I believe in, in the technology. And, uh, and rightly so, it was an offside call, which it was. And uh, otherwise, if it wasn't for VAR, you know, Austria w- would have gone probably through. Um, so I, I, I called it, maybe it was a bit, it's biased on my, on my way, uh, but a final, Italy, England. England is due, they're going to play the same as, they're going to play all their games at home. They haven't won anything since 1966. And the reason why I say a bit biased, because obviously I'm, I'm Italian background and my wife is English. So we're going to have a derby uh, at home. You're, at the yeah, you're gonna have a you have a good one in there, and and thankfully Italy overcame the Wembley jinx uh, yesterday. Italy, the Italian teams have never done well at Wembley, so ho- hopefully we have that one in the past, gentlemen. Uh, uh, I, I do want to take the opportunity, with, uh, you know, with two two uh, two fine gentlemen that have have uh, have had such a great influence on Canadian soccer uh, over the years to, to talk about Canadian soccer. I, I don't want to let that opportunity go by, but I have a, I have a natural question from curiosity, Bob. I, I want to ask you, uh, when, when Italy wins a game here in Toronto, uh, we, and it happened again yesterday, it happened the other, the other night, and all the Italian flags come out. Uh, we, all, we all marched down to St. Clair. Kahneman noted last night there are numerous Italian people with flags, and in Woodbridge they're going crazy. What's it like in Vancouver? I'm, I'm not sure it's the same magnitude, uh, and obviously the population of Ontario is, is greater than, than British Columbia, but uh, absolutely, the, 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 uh, the Azuri supporters uh, are out in full force, and uh, I actually watched the first game against Turkey um, amongst a, a group of, of anxious Italian supporters at the Italian Cultural Center, and um, uh, if if there if there is success for Italy, then for sure there will be um, all the the Italians turning out to uh, to to savor that success and to celebrate amongst uh, one another. And I I think that's it. It's if uh, we had their success in uh, at Euros you know, a few tournaments back. Uh, the same happened in the Greek community, I, and I think that that's the beauty of our sport. It's it's global. There's a passion that you know, regardless of whether you're in your your country of origin or or not, um, you support your national team and you you revel in their success. So uh, I'm hoping that, that that will be the case come the the final. And uh, I think Carmen Carmen did a, a great job of of assessing what. Uh, what the the options are, and I didn't I didn't hear the comment that uh, or see the comment that Mancini had made about you know it's easy from here on in. Obviously, it's not easy, but uh, if they had strolled through that match yesterday against Austria, then you know maybe you don't have that edge that having to go through a match like yesterday against uh, a relative um, unknown um, in, in Austria. And, and Carmen's right; they have. Fantastic players, but they uh, and no one would have expected that they would have they would have actually got the results against the Italians. So, 
looking forward to the rest of the tournament just as I have enjoyed uh, all that's taken place thus far. And, and if, I, I will jump in with this. If you if you were to ask me for a uh, a favorite moment in the the Euros, I would suggest that Patrick Schick's goal against Scotland, where uh, he lobbed them from just inside yeah. the the Scottish half was uh was one that i i watched over and over and over again simply because he had his back to goal so the the vision to to on the turn know where the scottish keeper was and hit the quality shot that he did uh was was just a, a real um highlight of the whole tournament for me uh, Bob, we'd be remiss if uh, we didn't take the opportunity to discuss with uh, with you, who has been involved in Canadian soccer uh, at almost every level and uh, has made incredible contributions to the sport of football slash soccer in Canada. Um, you're obviously, I'm sure, watching with great pride what's going on with our team right now. Uh, we uh, got through the last round, and now we're headed to uh, to the competition where if we finish in the top three, we make it to the World Cup. Uh, this, uh, As we march towards World Cup soccer in 2026, some of which will, in fact, be played in Canada. Exciting times in Canadian soccer. You must be proud. Um uh, your uh, your thoughts on the current uh, the current Canadian national soccer team and prospects going forward? Well, a lot has been made of of the fact that uh, we haven't qualified for the the hex, and now it's the octonal, whatever uh, octagon, whatever you, you want to call it. But we haven't qualified since 1994. And, that makes me feel old because <laughs> I was the coach. I was the coach. Uh, sorry, 1998. We qualified for the hex in 94 and 98. And so when I hear that, it's oh my god, that's that's a long, long time ago. But uh, thankfully, we have got there, and now now the hard work starts. The, the there were tricky stages throughout the uh, qualifying for the the octagon, but I. Yeah, I, I always felt that we would get there, and and now that we have, we're in amongst the top in Concacaf. And when you look at the, uh, and it's really the attacking side that uh, is so much different from when I played or when I coached. And and I don't mean that in any uh, disrespect to guys like Alan, Alex Bumbery, Paul Pescasolito. Uh, we had some we had some wonderful attacking options, but now you've got guys like an Alfonso Davies who obviously came through the the Whitecaps um, residency program, now, not just another player uh, at a at a higher level and, and and actually the highest level, but a player that has won throughout the last year. He's been referenced as one of the top players in in the world. And Jonathan David, the Cavallini up front. You've you've got attacking options that you know, should allow us uh, not to be too uh, concerned about having to simply just defend and and sit on a lead if we get one so that to me is is uh is the most exciting aspect of this team and i've known john herdman for for quite a while and i know that um his his approach to games is, is he leaves nothing to chance and seems like they've got a, a good uh atmosphere and amongst the group so I'm I'm extremely excited uh, about what's upcoming, and, it, and it's not long. I think it's within the next couple of months that the the qualifying actually starts. So 
I will be watching and uh, and cheering on the group so that we can we can get back to the World Cup before uh, in 2022 before you know, we're a part of the hosting in 2026. And yeah, you know, I, I I look at 2026 as uh, an opportunity for for Canada and the United States to just take the game to the the next. Uh, level just by virtue of the interest that there will be in 2026 and with each World Cup that goes by there's just more and more interest and not just from the diehards but I think from the casual fan that that looks at at, uh, at Euros and, and the World Cup and I think sometimes wonders wow like how is uh, what am I missing here and uh, and I think we just need to convert more of those North American fans that probably don't understand the subtleties of the sort, the sport, but understand that uh, it's it's by far the our sport is by far the most um, the most uh, involved sport globally, and it can't the other sports can't even touch it. So, uh, very exciting times for the game in, in Canada as a result of the team that we've got. Uh, uh, to, to represent us and, and just the timing of next year in Qatar and then also the 2026 when it's in our backyard. Uh, Kadmina, we uh, only got about a minute and a half before I have to let you guys go. This has been, uh, it's been a thrill talking soccer, a passion of mine. Uh, you and Bob uh, go back a long way, played some, uh, I'm sure, fought in the trenches, uh, were, were teammates, we were competitors back in the North American Soccer League uh, back in the 70s. Um, Bob, your uh, your recollection? Any favorite story about any battles you fought with Bob or against them, Carmine? Well, first of all, the bit of Italian that he knows—he knows a few Lano, but the bit of Italian <laughs> that he knows, I, I taught him that when we were teammates, <laughs> we were teammates with the Canadian national team. And uh, now with Bobby, we go back to 1976 when my rookie year, and he had just come back from England. So we're pretty well the same age, and we go back that far. And that's a long time ago. And so, you know, Bobby has always been uh, Mr. Mister Football, Mr. Soccer in Vancouver. Uh, I mean, as you mentioned, he's got uh, an amazing uh, curriculum behind him, being a player for the White Cups, uh, becoming a coach, and eventually becoming the president of the White Cups, and, and then coaching the national team. So... Is uh, Mr. Canada soccer? I mean, it's it's is the history in Canada is pretty well. Uh, Bobby Lenarduzzi when we come when it comes to soccer, but and I'm I'm very uh, blessed, uh, really, and uh, honored to have him as a good friend of mine, going back to the days. And and when we played against each other, you know, he would kick me. I would. Then we would go out for a beer after the game, and uh, and that's what friendship is all about. And you know, every time I call Bob, he's always uh, you know, like even in this case, I called him to be your guest, and he woke up at six o'clock. Yeah. That tells you the kind of man, the kind of man Bobby is. You know. Anyways, on that hey, note, hey, guys, before we finish up, before we go finish ahead, up, Bob. can I just give a quick? Uh, so one of uh, Carmen's nickname, and, and you may not know this. Uh, is elegante, and it so aptly describes him because he, when he played the game, he did it with with a with an elegance, and and I don't know where the nickname came from, but uh, to this day I remember it, and it's so so appropriate, and and, and like Carmen suggests, uh, always a good friend and uh, through the thick and thin, so uh, much appreciate uh, being on the show with him today. 
Yeah, it's, it's certainly our pleasure. Uh, we were hoping to have on another good friend of yours, Roberto Iarucci. Yes, Unfortunately, what we, we weren't able to connect with him. I probably oh. crossed signals somewhere, so uh, I'll take responsibility for that one. I may have I may have given him the wrong message, but I'll straighten that out after the show. Listen, gentlemen, this has been a distinct pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Bob, once again, my apologies. Should have called you a long time ago. On a go-forward basis, we'll certainly, uh, hopefully, you can uh, join us again. And uh, and we always love to talk my passion, football slash soccer. Thanks so much, Bob. Thanks so Thank much, Kadimina. All right. Take care, Walter. Take care, Bobby. Thanks. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks, gentlemen. Uh, we've got to go to break, and we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk some NHL playoffs, and uh, who better than TSN analyst, TSN uh, co-host on First Up, uh, Carlo Koliakovo. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the Medium Gourmet Pizza Special. Get a Medium Gourmet Pizza for just thirteen ninety nine. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his Pizzaville, seat. Pizzaville, stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He's only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me now, as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much. Market uh, Lane was a disaster last night. <laughs> Anyways, let's let's get into that. Just before uh, we uh, we get, uh, I know we got Carla Coliacco on the line. Just a note to our listeners: uh, it's time for the Naz and Wallys. Uh, we're we're, we're Naz and Wally are getting a little bit older. It's time for our usual summer break. Uh, Zoomer Radio with Naz and I for the last few years, uh, especially since COVID, we've been running this thing every Sunday. We've taken the summers off the last couple of years. Uh, I, the only regret I have this summer is uh, Italy's still in the Euro, and 
man, I'm going to regret it if I'm not on the air the day Italy uh, Italy wins the championship. But uh, let, let's see what happens. But to our listeners, uh, we this is our last show for this season. We'll be back again, uh, God willing, in September. We're pleased to welcome to the Nazawali Sports Hour the host of TSN's First Up in the Morning, Carlo Koliakovo. Good morning, Carlo. How are you? Uh, good morning, guys. Um, nice to, that you guys selected me, um, you know, to be a guest on your show on your farewell tour this summer. So, yeah, uh, I appreciate that. I always love coming on with you guys, and I wish you nothing but uh, gr- greater times ahead when you get to enjoy your vacation here. Because as it looks in this province, especially in this city, um, it looks like we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, we, we- for that. Oh, thank you so much, Carlo. And yeah, you're uh, you're going to conclude the season with us. So uh, uh, we 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 always say that uh, save the best for last, right? Yeah, we save the best for last. The best pitcher in the system. Anyways, uh, Carlo, you tired this morning? You uh, you uh, partying in Market Lane in Woodbridge or on St. Clair a little bit too much last night? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was. Um, You know, I was uh, I was watching the game with my brothers and my dad, and it was. pretty awesome to see them come out with a victory as we all expected but they did it in dramatic fashion and uh the good thing about the thing i love about these uh soccer tournaments that we get to see every two years you know the world cup and the euro split um between two years is you really get to see the passion come out in our province in our country of all the different nationalities that exist here and in particular me being italian pride um, love the way you know Italians gather and celebrate victories because you know they're they're they don't come around very often and when they do um, they might as well celebrate it like um, they'll never come around again and I, I don't think it should be a celebration where you're um, you know where, where you're hoisting a championship yet but it's a nice way for people to show uh, their unity with uh, you know their backgrounds and their nationalities and come together it's funny um there's a good there's a saying i love to i love to share with people about being italian is some way somehow you're related to somebody um <laughs> and you know we we see vi- uh, images of that you know with market lane and st Clair and you know parties in hamilton and kitchener and all across the world of italians celebrating and not just italians you know all the other other different cultures too and i love it i just um you know continue to pray that people do it safely and um you know don't don't use it as a as a as a chance to riot or dirt you know to, to create vandalism because that, ne- that never that. that never yeah. happens in a celebration after a soccer game we're just out there with with grins and and having a good time violence is never part of it, it. uh interesting enough we were just talking to Kadman, we were talking to Kadman and Marcantonio and bob leonard Duzzi just before you i didn't realize according to Kadman, there's 200 million people around the world of italian heritage i wow. i found that I found that number quite astounding. Uh, anyways, guys, let, let's uh, let's move on, Carlo, because uh, you're you're our hockey guy, and uh, we're, we're we got the Stanley Cup Finals in July, uh, <laughs> and lo and behold, uh, Tampa, who is certainly expected to be there, yeah. the much maligned Montreal Canadiens, who who I wouldn't say barely qualified, but they were 16th, the last yeah. team. And they're in the Stanley Cup Finals, and nobody's writing them off now. They were written off before the Toronto Series, before Winnipeg, before Vegas, and now they're in against the Stanley Cup champions, and they're not being written off. Um, There's certainly a path here for the Montreal Canadiens to win this Stanley Cup. 
And the path well, starts in net, and it starts yeah. with the big four horses completely in front. Carlo, analyze this series for us. Well, let's go back and say it all started with their victory against the Maple Leafs. I uh, hate to continue to rub it in the Maple Leaf fans, but Montreal Canadiens would not be here if it wasn't their momentum and the positivity and the confidence that they built coming back from a 3-1 deficit against the Maple Leafs. And um, I think you're right. I don't think anybody should count them out because of the way they've gotten here. They've, they've found a formula that has worked and that has had success, and that has given them success. And the formula is keep the games as close as you possibly can and trust in your defense and your goaltending and be a very opportunistic team and capitalize on your chances. And as you saw with each series, um, they got off to a good start off the gate after the Maple Leafs. They played with the lead for most part. And this team, when they play with the lead, they're very, very tough to generate any chances against because they just – they collapse. They play that good structure of defense. They don't let you get the zone. They won't let you stay in the zone. And when you do, they don't let Carey Price uh, not see any of the shots. You know, the, the saves that he's going to make are the saves that he sees. And, you know, credit to the defense, credit to the forwards. They've kept a lot of the star players on the outside. They haven't really given up the middle of the ice. And when you're chasing against Montreal, that's when they're at their best. And as you saw against the Vegas Golden Knights, a potent offensive team, you know, when they played with the lead in game one, Montreal couldn't catch up. But when Montreal was getting the lead and they made that a priority, when they got the lead, they made life difficult on, on Vegas. And I don't see how you can't think they could possibly do the same thing against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, just look at the opponents that they had to beat to get here. Everybody counted them out. Nobody gave them a chance against the Leafs. Nobody gave them a chance against the Jets. Nobody gave them a chance against the Vegas Golden Knights, especially having to go into Vegas in a packed house, something this team has not experienced at all playing in, and winning two road games. So um, I'm finally a believer in them, even though it, it, it stings. But you've got to appreciate the way they've gotten here. This is playoff hockey that they've, um, that they've adopted. And a lot of it is because of the confidence that Carey Price gives them, who at the end of the day is playing like a $10.5 million player should play. And, you know, they're, they're finding a way. And you've, you've got to give them credit for doing that. And obviously with Tampa Bay, this is a team everybody expected to be here. And kudos to them for getting back here because everybody knows how tough that is to do. I, I really do like Montreal's chances in this series. You know, other than the news that came out this morning, which is – probably going to be a very impactful um, you know, de- decision on Montreal with Joel Armia being on the COVID list and being unavailable. That line of Armia, Eric Stahl, and, and Corey Perry have, have been difference makers every time they've been on the ice. So that could be a very um, you know, uh, impactful uh, decision or move that goes against Montreal right now if he's not available for the series. But you know, Montreal just doesn't seem to phase with anything that gets that. That, that's counted against them. They find a way to persevere, and I'm really interested and, and you know, uh, excited to watch this series. Hopefully Montreal can find a way to get more fans in the stands because if you can help me understand how there can be 50,000 fans outside the rink and only 3,500 inside the <laughs> rink, uh, that, that would be uh, something that uh, could help solve my Inspector Gadget uh, clue. <laughs> Nez? Carlo, they make the Canadians make the other teams look slow. Vegas, yes. Toronto, Winnipeg. That takes a lot of discipline to do game-by-game basis, right? Yeah, it, it sure does. And that's that's a credit to their success. Uh, they've adopted winning a boring way. I mean, even though as much as we want to as fans watch exciting hockey, 
Um, you know, the way Montreal built their team was to, to find success playing this way. And uh, they de- they've done a good job breaking down their opponents and shutting down their opponents. And they've been doing it mostly because they've played with the lead, like I said. And um, when you're playing with the lead, you're forcing the other team to chase. And against this team that has been very disciplined in their structure, has been very good on the penalty kill, um, you know, if you've got a chase against this team, your, your chances aren't very good in coming out with a result that you want. So credit to Montreal. Um, I think I'm going to say the same thing against this Tampa series that I said going into Vegas. And when nobody gave Montreal a chance, I said, I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, I still think Vegas is going to win the series, but there's definitely a chance Montreal can win because they've gotten to this point. If they can find a way to play with the lead against the Tampa Bay Lightning and force the Tampa Bay Lightning to play out of their structure... And they're the they're probably the deepest team that the that the Canadians will face, but I don't think that'll be an issue because they're getting contributions from all around their lineup through four lines and six defense. So, um, you know, and they and they've done it too with without their coach last series. You know, you you think that that would be an advantage that the Vegas Golden Knights would have had too, but it just doesn't seem to phase this group. They have found a, a formula that has been working to get to this point, and people like to call them a team of destiny. And they've gotten here, I think, because of it. I mean, they've gotten some lucky bounces. Uh, they've gotten some lucky uh, situations with other teams playing without their best players. But ultimately, if you get to this point, not only do you got to be good, you got to be lucky. And if Montreal can be that team of destiny that everybody you know, likes to, to, to quote them as, um, they have a definite chance of winning the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, l- looking at the Tampa, I mean, Kucherov doesn't look like he's going to be the, the same. He's obviously fighting off uh, some injury that impacted mm-hmm. his play. You know, the Islanders gave Tampa everything they could handle. It was the most intense yeah. last, it was the most intense last two minutes of a hockey game I think it I've sure ever was. watched. It was, that was just unbelievable. But, you know, you get, you know, 18,000 fans or however many fans they have, and, and that, that adds to it. I, 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 I want you to uh, respond to this, Carlo. <clears throat> this is, really comes down to the irresistible force against the immovable object. Uh, that, that sports analogy has been used a lot of times in the past, and it comes down to Tampa Bay's power play operating at a 37% efficiency against, against a Montreal Canadiens penalty kill that nobody can remember the last time this team gave up a goal on the power play. It's been that long. Uh, I, I've never seen a team like Montreal, a, a penalty kill. Um, I don't know where they're at now, but I think they're over. They haven't given one up in the last 40 chances or close to it. Um, what's Montreal doing on their penalty kill that is so, for lack of a better term, so damn successful? Yeah, well, one thing they've been doing really well is they've been winning the original faceoffs, and they've been winning those face-offs and, and dumping the puck down the ice. And when you do that, now you're telling the team to waste 20 or 30 seconds trying to get into the zone. And, you know, when they're doing that, they're doing a good job holding the line. But they're being really aggressive. Uh, this is what good penalty kills do when, they, when they're when they reeling with confidence is they know they, they're, they're playing with uh, one last man on the ice and they're forcing the other team to stay on the outside, and they're, they're basically saying, make three or four really good passes to try to score against us. And teams haven't been able to do that. Um, you know, credit to the Montreal defense. Um, not only are they being really aggressive, but they're getting in shot lanes, and they're, they're sacrificing themselves with shot blocks and, um, you know, alternating shooting lanes and stuff like that. And then when you got Carey Price and Ned, who, who when, ha- when he has a chance to see the puck, 
there's a greater chance he's going to save it than not. I mean, just look at the goals that have gone in against them. The stuff that he has seen has not gotten by him. And, you know, that, again, goes to, you know, boast your, your, the team in front of you's confidence. So, um, I, I like, as good as the teams that they've played with Montreal, Winnipeg, or sorry, with Toronto, Winnipeg, and, and Vegas have been, you know, Tampa's the, the cream of the crop here when it comes to power play. Um, you know, and, and everybody says, you know, what do you need to win in the playoffs? You need a better power play or a better penalty kill? Well, I think it's pretty clear that if your penalty kill is reeling, you can you can have success in the playoffs because you're keeping pucks out of your net, and that's what Montreal's been able to do. Uh, but they're being very disciplined, too. They're not really giving up many chances. And I think, you know, they've used the first two or three games in each of the series to really fluster the other team's top players. And when those other teams are flustered and frustrated, they don't have much confidence when they're out there on the power play. So it's a little bit of everything that's been combined that Montreal has been doing that has really uh, frustrated the opponent, um, eliminated any type of confidence that they could possibly have or need in those power play situations. And then when you've got a world-class goalie like Terry Price in that, um, it makes it even more difficult. So if you're Tampa Bay, they've done a really good job when getting possession in zone. They're probably the best team at making one-touch plays in the offensive zone on the power play. And they have two trigger guys that can shoot the puck with Kucherov, actually even three if you include Hedman on that. I think that's a big key to a power play success is when you can establish a shot mentality from anywhere on the ice, it really makes the the penalty kill guys move. And I think if if the the Tampa Bay can establish that right from the start, they might be able to have some success doing so. But, you know, I think the, the one thing you can take out of this series is not only is it dynasty versus destiny, but you've got a matchup with the two best goalies in the world. So if you think you're going to see a lot of goals scored in this series, which I know fans don't want to hear, um, you know, maybe you should, uh, you should, um, you know, adjust your, your, uh, your, your, your expectations for this series. Cause I think it's going to be a defensive battle. And I honestly think it's going to be a very close series as much. People want to think that that Tampa Bay is going to blow them out. I don't see that. I actually think this might go seven games. Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking to Carlo Koliak about Carlo. We're going to let you go, and we're going to thank you for helping us wrap up our seventh season. Um, hopefully we'll be back, God willing, for our eighth season in the fall, and uh, we'd love to chat with you. Uh, uh, and hopefully we'll be, uh, when we chat with you next time, hopefully Italy will have won the Euro by then. <laughs> Carlo? That would be awesome. Hey, guys, congrats on seven years. Good luck on eight. I appreciate you guys having me on and, and being a part of it. I look forward to being a part of it even more moving forward. Thank Carlo Koliakovo. Uh, he's doing great work. Have a great holidays. It's same to you, Carlo. Uh, Carlo is doing some great work down at TSN. If you get a chance, listen into him. Uh, always entertaining. Naz, seven years, my friend. Uh, didn't think when we started this off seven years ago uh, we'd still be doing this. You're, uh, you're, you're, uh, i got a few thoughts. I want to thank Brandon, our producer. We've been doing this remotely. He's done a fantastic job for us. Man, I look forward, Naz, to see you the days we can do it back in studio. And uh, we, can, we, uh, we, we, we're in there and we're across the desk from each other. Our sponsors, Pizzaville, all the good people, all the Contardi family, Alt Infinity, John Amendola, our guy at Real Space at Minting Sports Cards, uh, going back to Steel's Paint, all the people who've supported us over seven years. Thanks so much, Naz. I, I'll give you an opportunity to say a few words. I'd like to thank everybody, and we'll be back in September. Hopefully yeah. the uh, 
Blue Jays will be in the. Uh, and we have the Blue Jays. Back. Uh, hopefully, we come back and we uh, we cheer the Blue Jays on to a successful stretch run. Anyways, we've run out of time. To all our listeners, thanks so much for supporting us. We really appreciate it. Uh, uh, we wish everybody a great summer. Stay healthy, be safe, and uh, talk to you soon, hopefully. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.